0: This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and I am here with. I don't know that we have a great name for this particular meeting yet. We we called it the OG meeting just because we have, we have a class. These are these are what we call live coaching sessions, and uh, basically, this is pretty much anyone can come to this class. Um, it's probably not super helpful if you're totally new. I see a few questions where um, there's some very new people. Um, I know some people wanted me to talk about Lifetime. Uh, frankly, there's not a lot to talk about related to Lifetime. The uh, we, we started offering Lifetime this week. And um, make sure that you stay unmuted unless you're a coach. Um, but we started off lifetime this week and it's just been great i mean what you guys don't know is that for us this is a big piece of of who we are right we kind of designed e to perform to be sort of a lifetime option for people doesn't mean that you know you're counting macros all the time i talk about this a lot that i don't count macros all the time in fact i'm not counting macros now but you know, I get my calories to the point where they're about 3,500 or so. And then I eat relatively intuitive from there. But I think a lot of people do benefit, actually, a lot of people do like, especially when you're eating more, you're in performance or something of that nature, um, to kind of have a little bit of a plan in place, because, you know, we all know things can kind of get sideways. I think the only The only reason things don't get sideways for me is I really kind of eat kind of simple. And I I think a lot of people that are on this call that have had a lot of success, you know, we'll talk about it in some of the questions, but um, if you have any questions specific to lifetime, feel free to ask me. I just don't know what to say other than, you know, you basically pay a fee and then, you know, you're a member for life. Right. And um, it's kind of as simple as that, because we know that this can get a little bit expensive year to year to year to year. So we wanted to be able to kind of bring that to people. And the thing that's nice about Lifetime, you know, a lot of our Lifetime clients, you know, um, end up being coaches, they end up kind of being the foundation for you know, really, the program. I think. I think many of you who are new, and you're, you know, watching some of the posts in in the groups. Uh, you know, it's really those people that are, are lifetime and been here for a while that are actually setting the foundation for for many of you. So, if you have a specific question, let me know. We did have questions come up. We had a couple great ones right out the gate. And um, Christopher asked, "Can you describe? We're pretty much going to be doing, by the way, uh, just Q and A. We we have enough enough people where we're probably going to be kept pretty busy the whole time. Can you describe what a mini cut entails and when one should consider a mini cut? Thank you. All right. So, you know, I talk about this. You know, many of you don't have to live by my example, but but I think it's helpful to kind of understand." sort of the bigger picture idea. I typically do not consider a cut like a, like a full three to four month cycle uh, every five years, right? And so what Christopher's asking is kind of relevant to me in my situation, right? So if I'm if things are getting a little loose, or I'm sort of getting out of my comfort zone, I might consider like a mini cut in that instance. For the majority of the time, though, um, it's sort of interesting. People talk about like being scared of scale weight. The majority of the time, if you're keeping good track of the scale, you're able to sort of do that intuitively, especially if, like I mentioned before, your macros are kind of at that higher level that allows you to eat, intuitively more effectively um basically i would say the best way to describe a mini cut is it's one cycle right now can it be four weeks sure you know that's just what you're communicating with your coach Um, but typically it's going to be a six-week cycle and you're you're really looking for three to six pounds can you lose a little bit more sure you know that can happen can it also then move into a full fat loss cycle if you're having a lot of success? I know, uh, I have a client that, uh, you know, I was looking at the file the other day and she started, you know, she, she wasn't having a lot of success early on. Cause she came to us from an under eating background. We didn't know what the mini cut would do. We were actually uh, setting the expectations really low. And then um, she had a lot of success. She ended up losing like 10 to 12 pounds in the first mini cut. And then we just decided to go to the next one. So mini cut is really just a little cleanup, right? Where you're trying to lose three to six pounds, six to eight at the most, right? So kind of, I think I think the big thing with mini cuts is expectation. If you're expecting a mini cut, to like lose eight pounds and, and then keep all eight pounds off. I would say the people that do mini cuts often, right. The more you do mini cuts, the less you're doing each reform. So keep, keep that in mind. Um, But yeah, that's, that's really the answer to that. And then, um, you know, they're, they're sort of adjustable with you and your coach. so, So there's a lot of communication that needs to happen there. So Rhiannon had a great question. She was asking my thoughts on processed food for convenience versus whole food if our macros are still right. So, you know, I made a post about this, you know, a few months ago. And the answer is that really you want to have mostly whole foods, right? And then you want to fill in the gaps with um, more energy dense foods right so more nutrient dense foods for the majority of your foods foods that your body kind of processes easier we know that processed foods as an example um your body can deal with it by having a little bit more inflammation and things of that nature so so do i think that there's value in mo- getting most of your macros yes i do When you get to Rhiannon's level where the macros are super high, you do kind of have to add some energy dense foods and it will cause your weight to fluctuate a little bit more. But at the end of the day, um, that's sort of why we want to keep those fats relatively high at those high levels. You know, we were talking about this in the group today where people always get excited about, you know, the carbs they're getting. And they often sort of forget that fats are going up also, which allows for a lot more flexibility. Uh, The next question that she had was was, um, sweet cravings. And I think sweet cravings is probably a sign of just hunger overall in, in the majority of cases. In your case, where macros are relatively high, I would say that's a little confounding, right? I would definitely, be putting, you know, some sweets kind of in the mix when your macros are, you know, where they are for you, which I think, you know, just for some context, I think she's at like 2,700. Um, I think it's also, you know, if you're working out intensely or maybe adding some extra cardio or something like that, you know, the hunger might intensify a little bit. So, you know, if you can maybe space out meals a little bit better um, that would be one option maybe for some people I know for me that I, I might skip a skip breakfast in that instance so that I can have bigger meals so it's really just about sort of playing I don't I don't think it's really about you know whether you're lacking protein The majority of people I would say when they have sweet cravings, it really comes down to the fact that they have energy cravings, right? Mm-hmm. And so, especially for somebody like you who's weightlifting, you know, I think we talked about this on one of the last podcasts, I can't recall, but, you know, when you're weightlifting, you're sending a signal to your body to, you know, that's anabolic, right? It's asking your body to grow. And so your body's going to crave calories, right? And it's it's not going to... It's got, not going to necessarily crave, you know, chicken and kale. That's my big joke, right? Um, but a lot of times, so for you, it's sweets. A lot, a lot of other people, it's like salty, nutty type snacks, right? So um, try and kind of keep that in mind that some of it's normal. I would try to manage it by managing your macros. And then, you know, um, we can also try and get your calories up, you know, since you're in performance right? So that's how I would answer that. So I think that's the only two that, uh, you hadn't seen Carolyn. So if you could just start reading them off, that would help.
1: Yep. Taylor's asking, um, how to get back on track when I've come way under for the better part of the week with injuries, with the heat, with sickness.
0: So I posted about this now. So first of all, in terms of sickness, I think, um, I, I, I'm a big believer in just like do what feels right when you're sick. Right. Um, But I think, you know, if you're one of the people that, that, you know, is more comfortable under eating, sometimes you can go, well, am I still sick? Cause I'm kind of under eating. Right. Um, And I think you have to kind of work yourself through that a little bit. So kind of keep that in mind. Um, I did post something recently that talked a little bit about having your macros a little bit higher um, during injury, and it was just a study, you can take a look at it, um, somebody can maybe bump it in the, in the forums or whatever. Um, but it was, it was very, very insightful, um, because it's something that we've been saying forever, is that, you know, a lot of times people want to cut when they get injured because they don't, they don't feel like they're doing near as much. But the problem that you run into there is that your metabolism actually revs up a little bit uh, when it's trying to heal itself. And so if you undereat, you actually can kind of set back some of that healing. So kind of keep that in mind. Uh, the answer is to plan the day before, right? And and I'm sure I'm going to say that multiple times today. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that with these a lot, you know, virtually every coach on the staff at Eat to Perform we all planned the day before, and the reason why we planned the day before is just easier, right? Um, and I know a lot of you are like, "Ah, oh, it sucks. You know, I like to do the Tetris thing. Well, the problem with the Tetris thing is that, you know, I, I did see a question, and it's going to come up here in a little bit, but is you can end up not not eating all the foods that you need to eat for the day. And the plan is the plan for a reason, right? Um, It's interesting because, you know, I've been talking a lot about my daughter and her experience um, training to be a firefighter and Carolyn's her coach. But my daughter, you know, who is a vegetarian um, for years has been kind of an intuitive eater. And we've always known when she's hungry right? <laughs> because like she just changes like a gremlin who uh, had water thrown on her. And uh but that has changed a lot. And it's been very enlightening for her. You know, my parenting style is not one of these people that's going to like, you know, force things. You know, I, I let my my girls, you know, kind of learn from their mistakes. And You know, she's been learning from these mistakes for years. Um, Not that we've never said anything one way or the other, but having planned out meals and she's really good at it, you know, Um, I mean, within two weeks, she could probably teach a class, right? So um, that's the answer is that when you're coming from an injury, when you're coming from from sickness and you want to get back in the groove, the quickest way to get back in the groove is to plan the day before.
1: Mm-hmm. um jay potter has a question writing on Rian's question uh what are your thoughts on daily daily macro cap of a protein shake is it okay every day i feel like it's dessert and i plan them in varying what i add if i need more of whatever macro but is it a good idea long term
0: i think it is a good idea long term i i've been pretty open about this you know we're running on like 15 years of what ultimately has become eat form and in those 15 years every single day i've had chocolate you know um it does address a little bit of what rihanna was saying too is like, i think once you deprive yourself of that kind of stuff then it just kind of overwhelms you and then as we all know with the macros you can sort of fit it in now it gets more difficult to fit in um when you're at kind of the lowest levels. So you gotta be a little strategic about that. Um, If you are okay doing it every three days or so, I think you're fine. Um, I I don't really see people having much of a inflammation response to like protein shakes or things like that. Um, and, And typically it's known to be more favorable Um, just from a scientific level in terms of satiety so I don't really see an issue in fact I I actually think it's kind of smart.
1: Mm -hmm. Pamela is asking about any tips on how to handle days where you don't really start eating early enough so it feels like towards the end of the day you are beyond stuffed to try and hit your macros. I know time will help but sometimes it is a struggle.
0: Yeah. So, so this is the same answer to the question earlier, right? You plan the day before Um, I I know a lot of you come to us where you've done macros before and you've done Tetris and and things of this nature. I think what it comes down to, especially, you know, what, what I think happens and actually this was a little bit of the post that I put up yet on today was, What happens if you're in PR? So let's assume that the question that she's asking, she's in performance, so our macros are a little bit higher. Because your macros are higher, doesn't mean that your macros are optional, right? It's actually a really important part of the program. In fact, it's the biggest part of the program. You know, we really can't get that metabolism doing what we need it to do. Speaking of that, it kind of reminds me of a study that I was looking at and it was talking about the function of muscle and I'm trying to remember who it was, but I know he's one of the, the, the bigger Andy Galpin is his name. And so Andy made a post. Uh, we actually did a podcast with him a while back, really super smart guy, um, but he talked about the, the role of. Uh, of protein and and muscle, and that forty percent of the 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 use of muscle just goes towards metabolism, which I thought was really interesting. Right, so there was he was kind of quoting a newer study, and I just think that a lot of people that are coming from like a less is more background just don't realize how important it is to be consistent on the top end. And I know we can all get a little loose and and things of this nature when calories are a little bit higher. Um, But the more you can stay consistent to that, the more you can have, you know, at least 80% of your food come from non-processed foods, the better. Right. And so um, did that address the question? I, I think it did. Um, can you read it back to me just so so yeah. I'm not missing you? Yep.
1: Yeah. So she's, Pamela was asking about um, where do you, uh, tips on how to start eating early enough. So it feels like towards the end of the day, if you're beyond stuff to try yeah. and hit your macros,
0: you really have, yeah. And, and this becomes much more important in performance, right? Where, you know, normally I like to eat two meals with some snacks and a dessert. So I might have like two meals, a snack, and then a dessert. Um, but if my macros are high, you know, right now I'm at, I'm at three meals and then two snacks and a dessert. Right. So that, that's, that's what happens. So you have to plan for that. Otherwise, like you said, you know, you end up with like fifteen hundred calories that you're trying to cram in, you know, the that day, and so um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that you have to plan for for sure.
1: Um, the day ahead, the day ahead. Yes, Candace is asking in PR: Should Ivy counting fuel for fifty to one hundred mile bike rides in in her macros? So
0: here's what happens with like long endurance athletes is, and and I'm going to count myself in this mix, even though right now I'm not really doing near as much. Um, But we tend to focus more on the acute energy needs for that day. Right. And that's actually not how it works. Now I will say this. You have to have a food strategy for your rides, right? Um, for marathoners, like as an example, you know, when I first started running long distances, you know, I would hit like mile 11 and it would just like hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, now I was able to continue on, but it was just got a lot harder, right? And then once I started adding in, you know, intraday or intra run nutrition, it like made all of it go away. Like, like it was magic, you know? And so definitely you want to have some macros for your rides, right? And your coaches could add some, I would suggest that you shouldn't. And here's why, because it's really more about calorie average. And so, For those long rides, you kind of want to have like, you know, I'm thinking almost like a marsupial, right? Where you have a little pouch, you know, where you have kind of these foods stored so that you can then draw from them later. So a lot of people think of it like they're drawing from, you know, the energy reserves for that day. Typically the foods that you eat don't store for at least 24 hours. Right. And so actually foods, 36 hours are necessary for those long rides. Right. So that's my answer is that it really is about calorie average. Now I would try to stay away from, you know, doing it on your your low days. Right. Um, I I don't think that that would be smart, but, you know, really does come down to the reserves that you have now if you start to get uncomfortable you can talk to your coach and then we can make some adjustments from that but that's the answer right is and and i need all of you to know this that everything we're doing is not special it's not you know super unique it's really about calorie average right and so when you look at your low day you know, which is typically a low carb day. That's the way we view it, right? I know it's, you know, if you come from a low carb background and you're eating 119 carbs on your low carb day, you're like, uh, you know, this isn't low carb at all, you know, but, but it is lower based on your plan, right? And so the plan is not magic at all. Um, it's really about calorie average. Now, what we're trying to do is push things so that you have more energy for the days that you're working out. And then it also actually gives us a really good signal on how to coach you, right? So I think most of you know that the lowest weight typically is gonna be your super day morning, right? So it's after your low day, you've gone through that three day cycle where you've you've got, um, high day, two medium days, and then your low day, right? That will signal your lowest weight, typically, right? So as coaches, that's what we're looking at. And so um, if you start to struggle, then we can start to add food, but but that is the answer.
1: Okay, Christina's asking, um, she's relatively new. Um, she's interested in hearing about the mindset for the program as a whole., uh, she doesn't have still a great understanding of the whole program. Can you speak to how how to mentally prepare for working through things over time? From what I know, there's periods of intense cutbacks, fat loss process, but overall, we're increasing building macros and metabolism through this process. What's the light at the end of the tunnel? How does one Think about getting to maintenance. When can that happen? And when can we stop tracking so diligently?
0: Okay, so so I talked about that a little bit. So I'm going to address the first thing. Um, you know, I mentioned that that I don't track um, all the time, right? Um, when you won't track your your calories, would be at their highest, right? So typically, your highest. I know I don't I don't mean to scare you because you knew, but that's probably going to look like 2,500 to 2,700 over time. Now, does that mean tomorrow? Does that mean next month? No, it's going to be sort of a process. And you might actually, once you're um, having food in good amounts, you may actually prefer to keep tracking. A lot of people do. Some people don't, right? So kind of keep that in mind, but that is 100% possible. And I would say that's the goal in my mind, right? Because what we want to do is have all of you understand kind of the bigger picture. So what's the bigger picture? The bigger picture is that we're setting you up for a scenario where you can rinse and repeat these cycles to whatever goal you want. Now, is that irrespective of coming from a low calorie background, coming from diet after diet after diet? No, <laughs> right? Um, most of you on this call, this is not your first diet, right? It, it's probably your 15th or 20th in a lot of cases. So sometimes there's a little bit of a price to pay. Um, I think age sort of matters there. I think also it's kind of want to, you know, like you see all these people that are very interested in celebrity diets. And, like, what is that celebrity? Um, what's the motivating factor for uh, all those Hemworths to have abs? It's the $20 million, right? Like, if you had the incentive of $20 million to get abs, you would get abs, right? The problem is is that many of us don't have those same incentives. So you're looking at the rock and you're seeing that he's eating like 20,000 pounds of cod a year and you're like, "Oh my goodness, that sounds horrible." It is horrible. He has 20 million dollars of film to eat that cod. And so, you know, and and you know, it gets to the point. I mean, there's some other things that he's got working in his favor, I think most people would probably know that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when we're looking at kind of the overall mindset is that once you start to get to where your food is normalized and you're getting over 2,000 calories, 2,500 calories and things of this nature, a lot of things come into play that you had just kind of lost interest in over time, right? And a lot of people really have felt Helpless or hopeless in that scenario. And this is irrespective of abs as a goal or performance as a goal or whatever your personal goal would be. The cycles will allow you to figure out where you fit in the process. Right. And, you know, it is, it is sort of like, you know, a Scarlet A, what's the, what's the book? But, once you know what we're talking about, you kind of can't unlearn it, right? I mean, doesn't mean that some people don't leave eat to perform and go back to under eating, right? But they do know, right, that they're actually doing the wrong thing. And, you know, mentally, I would say, I would say 75% of this is mental for a lot of folks. And I think yeah. once, you get to the place where food is normal most of the time, that mental game becomes you know, much less part of the process. Uh, I think I mentioned this in one of the other podcasts, but but if you hadn't listened to it, this is a really good idea. Um, Susan was talking about space travel and she was talking about how you know, most of the math and calculations that they'd done related to space travel um, was based on the Earth's environment, right? And the Earth's environment in this example is dieting, right? And so, so when you're restrictively dieting, what happens is is your body figures that out fast and adjusts relatively fast within weeks. And 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 now all of a sudden you're like, okay, but I still have 20 pounds to lose. And then you start you start adding all this walking and you and and you get to your lowest calories, but you're still 15 to 10 to 15 away. The answer is actually the other way. So what happened with space travel is once you know they figured out once you leave the Earth's environment that you don't need as much gas, right? Because like the space vessel is floating or whatever. That's what eating more is like, right? Eating more is like, you know, she was using the example that, that they had all these like rovers and stuff like this that were going to Venus. And, you know, they had infinitely more gas than they thought they would. That's what not dieting is like when you spend the majority of your life, not dieting, anytime you do a cut, it's just more effective and you go, okay, but I did fat loss one when I first came in it really wasn't super effective. I mean, you don't know that you were, you, in a lot of cases, you don't even know what your calories were. Right. So once we have that information, now we can sort of manipulate it as we go. Right. But that's the bigger idea. The big idea is really super simple. It's, it's, you know, one sentence, you know, the more you don't diet, the more effective your cutting cycles are going to be, right? But is it okay to not diet uh, the good majority of the time? I think I live that example, you know, where um, I want people to know that it's possible to live a very active life without, uh, without dieting all the time and not feeling, I know there's a lot of pressure especially as a woman right that that i don't particularly know as a man um to be in these cutting cycles a lot of the time but i can tell you based on tens of thousands of people that what we talk about you know works and the reason why it works is because it's drop dead simple is that everybody's been doing it in reverse the whole time
1: Um, Margaret says for years, I worked out fasted around eight to 9am, but now I'm in the throes of PR with tons of food. I started having a little something for fuel. Uh, what do you think is the best small thing to eat before her workout?
0: So I, I kind of had an issue like a blood sugar issue at one point. And, um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear advice and a lot of the advice is based off of science that's not particularly bad, but I don't think like fits the majority of situations, right? So as an example, you work out early in the morning and the suggestion is to have carbohydrates with protein two to one, right? So you have two to one protein, um, or, or 20 grams of carbs, 10 grams of protein as an example, right? The problem I had when I did that was that I would get almost like a blood sugar response. I could dose it, right? I could figure out a way to make it work. But all I did was basically add in a little bit of fat. So, so what I, what my pre workout meal was just uh, four grams of yogurt, full fat, full fat Greek yogurt, um, some granola and some honey. And once I started doing that, my blood sugar issues sort of went away. And I think if you're trying to follow that two to one carbohydrate thing, the problem that you, if you start to struggle with any kind of blood sugar issues, just add some fat, your body's gonna figure it out. A lot of the advice that many of you have heard, it's not wrong. It's just more correct if you're Usain Bolt, right? But we're not Usain Bolt. My body's going to figure it out over the day, right? And if I do the double carbs over protein thing and it makes me feel bad in my workouts, then it's gonna be difficult for me to work out. So in that way, having a mixed meal where you have fats added in is a big advantage so that that is one thing that I would suggest but you're right when when you're when you're in PR you know this is the second time we've had to say it but you know you do have to plan more food a little bit more readily
1: Mm -hmm. um Trish is asking what type of things should I report to my coach to get the most out of out of our program Uh, I let them know when I'm hungry, what kind of workouts I'm doing, when I'm sore, when I'm leaving town, but I don't know is there, is what I'm missing, but I don't know is what I'm missing to tell them.
0: Yeah. So Becky, um, do you have any, any thoughts on this at all? Because obviously you're seeing probably the most files out of all of us, including me. So I I think people do overthink it a little bit. I mean, really your coach is supposed to be sort of a confidant for, you know, the process, Uh, but maybe give some examples.
2: Um, Some of that is more to do with what type of relationship you're looking for with your coach. I mean, Paul and I, for instance, have both had many of our clients for a very long time. So, you know, maybe we even talk about where they're going on vacation. And, you know, Paul talks about where people thinks that, think that, you know, he should go when he goes to say California, like he's going in a few months or whatever. Um, some of my clients talk to me, you know, when they're going to go see their kids and things like that, their grandkids, other clients don't want to share as much as far as personal, which is completely fine. That's all up to you. And I would just make sure that your coach always knows whenever you Are working out and how you're feeling in those workouts are you feeling energetic are you feeling hungrier than normal um are you bonking in the middle of your workouts things like that that stuff is super important and especially like in pr then we really need to know i mean we need to know in fat loss too because we need to tell you that you might need to maybe not work out like a maniac i didn't say stop working out i just said don't work out like a maniac in fat loss (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing too in 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 fat loss, I mean, you're many of you are coming from an undereating background and you don't always disclose it, right? And 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 or they don't realize it. Or don't realize it. Yeah, I mean like if you're you were intuitively uh, eating and then now you start tracking and you realize it you know, it's a lot of food and then you're in fat loss. It's like, well, then that's really not good. Um, But I think part of that is just kind of, you know, we talk about this with the group, you know, the group is really about celebrating, you know, everyone's accomplishments, your coach relationship, your coach is there so that you can express your frustration, right? And then sometimes through that frustration, we can sort of figure out, that, hey, let's run a short performance cycle of two to three months and then let's hit a good fat loss cycle. Because right now, all you're going to do is get frustrating because basically you came to us from a dieting background, even if you didn't know, like Becky was saying, right? So I don't think there's anything. There's, there's, uh, there's so many people that are like, I know this is TMI, but you know, I have my period. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think there's any guy that's talked to women about their periods more than I have. Right. And I'll, I'll put me against any doctor on the planet, Right. But, but there's nothing, you know, that, I mean, constipation. Um, yeah. It, you know, there's really nothing that we haven't heard. And, you know, it, 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 if, if uh, you as a coach can't deal with that, you're not going to be a coach very long. Right. Because, you know, it's important for, for all of you to be able to share as much as you can with us. So we think that's the answer.
1: Yeah. I want to say too, um, it, we like to get, we like to get insight into what's going on too. Sometimes there's a lot of stress for clients and they might be in a fat loss cycle or, or what have you and stress will, will, will really affect performance. Um, and your, your, um, your fat loss, fat loss cycle. So anything like that that's going on in their life. It's, it, it's not really too much information. It is good to know all of that. Yeah. Um, James, James is asking in PR and training for an ultra. In can you, hold, hold,
0: can you yeah. hold on one second? Oh, I just want to yeah. say one other thing. Um, one of the things that I think I'm good at, you know, and I think a lot of our coaches are really good at, um, that I think on a, on a client level, if you kind of want to know what the bigger picture, like the lady earlier, ask your coach, right? So, like, what I see a lot is people with bigger goals maybe want to know what it looks like down the road, right? And so, you know, a great example was someone that, uh, you know, posted and and they started at, at, you know, over 300 and now they're just above 250. And they're in PR, right? And um, they know the bigger picture, right? Their coaches talk to them about the bigger picture. But if 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 you've been moved to PR in that instance and you don't know, you know, ask your coach what what the bigger picture looks like. The one thing I will say to you though is, if let's say that you're similar to the situation where I'm describing, where the person is 250 pounds don't necessarily assume that you need to go into another dieting cycle in two to three months. You can choose the dieting cycle. I mean, if you start at 300 and you're 250 pounds, you've done so much to affect your health positively. There's no reason that you can't just normalize for six months, right? I feel like a lot of people that rush that process often fail in rushing that process. So I wanna, I wanna make sure, but, but, but definitely a big part of your coach relationship is um, what comes next and what does that look like, right? And then it's our negotiation of how to set that expectation.
1: Um, James is saying uh, he's in PR and training for an ultra in October. I'll be running lots of miles. The bulk of miles will be slow. What should I keep in mind? I'd like to lean out well in PR between now and October. Is this possible?
0: No, and, and I'm just gonna say that just straight out, right? Is it possible? It is possible, right? Um, a great example would be, you know, my daughter that I've been talking about, you know, she's down a few pounds. I think the problem that you run into though is that if you're talking to your coach and your focus is to kind of lose, let's say 10 pounds in the process between now and October, what I can tell you from what we know as coaches is that October is like no time at all, especially as it relates to what, what we want to do. And I've had to have a lot of discussions with my daughter who's doing a lot of endurance work right now. Right. Not similar to you. I I don't want to insult what you're doing um, by suggesting that her three to five miles um, is similar. But the problem you're gonna run into if you it's like you have two goals, right? And if you try to complete both goals, you're you're gonna actually fail at both of them in a lot of cases, right? And so My guess is this isn't your first time wanting this goal, right? And I do think, by the way, that you will hold on to muscle better than you have. If you have any kind of resistance training in, that will be helpful. Can you lose a little bit of weight? Yeah, you can. Should it be the focus? Absolutely not. You know, what we really want, especially for ultras, is those calories to get super high, right? so that, that your performance just goes to really the next level. I think if, if we're honest, right? It, vegetarians have thought processes related to meat. Um, you know, low carb people kind of have pro- thought processes related to, to that thing. When we talk about like endurance athletes, A lot of it maybe at this point, isn't about earning food, but it's a little bit about earning food, right? And it's a little bit, it's not just, I mean, I'm just using these examples, maybe they're not the best examples, but like if you started running to manage your health, that's awesome, right? But don't confuse getting better at running, right? With weight loss, right? you know, you're going to naturally come to an end of the season at the end of October where we can do a cut. And Oh, by the way, if your calories are at 5,500, it's going to be a really easy cut. Right. So why focus on like five to 10 pounds now, you know, um, when you can do it out of season so much more effectively, a great example, I posted a picture of her was Rose Coleman. She's on the on the main page. I think I posted it three days ago. She was the one with 101,000 steps in one day. And she started with me 40 pounds different than she is right now. And every off season, we try to do a little cleanup or whatever. Um, but her cutting cycles are like super easy every single time, you know? And once we started to, you know, there was a period, I would say of about four years where it took a lot of convincing for her to do the right thing. So if it, it might take you a while to kind of change your mentality, but I think that if you can get to that place where your focus is, is, is solely between now and October to get better at the, the pace times and things of that nature, you'll actually see a much better result and you might actually see more definition with your weight a little bit higher. Right. And then when we're out of season, we'll cut down And the next season, we improve, we work on muscle, things of this, that nature. So that's the answer to your question.
1: Um, Calderwood had another question about, um, second cuts, like after a year. So I guess a diff- another fat loss cycle, let's say usually not, are they usually not as effective as the initial two fat loss cycles? I'm hoping to do another cut soon and curious what to expect. Um, she sounds like they fell off plan for the first, um, first cycle and we're not that ex- successful. So. Yeah. So it,
0: it kind of depends
1: on how you came to us, right? If you came to us, over-consuming
0: with a lot of bad habits, the answer is going to be no, right? Because you would have had so much success with the first one. It sounds like um, you didn't have that success possibly because, you know, you maybe came to as a little bit under eating, maybe you didn't know, or
2: She did have success. I looked at her file and she did have success, but, and I want to add something because I saw the file and you didn't, but um, that it actually is just toward everyone in general, that it's very important that we not only build up in PR so that future fat loss cycles are successful, but that we are also very consistent and well I see a couple of questions here about this and if you guys are finding that you're going over your fats and you're not getting your carbs in things like that I looked at several files make sure that you're talking to your coach so that we can get you into a plan that is successful for you that is goes for what it is that you're after
0: yeah because we see a lot of you are really super consistent in these fat loss cycles right because that's That's what you're comfortable with, right? And then the most important part of eat and perform is the part where the food is is going up. And if you're overreacting, that was actually a little bit of what the post was about today. If you're overreacting every single time, your weight is fluctuating a little bit, and then you just do salads for the next five days, you're you're kind of setting up a, a bad situation. I think what happens for a lot of people, especially in the second one, Is that if they came to us overeating, they're probably not going to see near as much, and you should that probably makes sense, right? So if you if you started off at let's say two hundred pounds and you lose twenty pounds in that process, you know the next the next uh, one you should probably expect ten to fifteen, right? Now, if you think about a lot of the success, I talk about this a lot, where the people that have the most success. Are actually the people that kind of had some bad habits. Once you clean up those habits, you know, we do lose a little bit of of opportunity in that regard, right? And so the factors that that matter are how high we can get your calories. Are you building muscle in that process? What are you doing effort wise? And then how long you were doing it, right? So your coach will allow you to move into Fat Boss you know in in roughly 3 months 2 to 3 months and if you were you know kind of using the 300 pound example that i used earlier you would probably have some success in that scenario would you have more success if you had waited 6 months yes in almost every scenario that's what we see and so I think what happens is, is that we're all kind of in a hurry, almost the way that we used to be going from diet to diet to diet or trying to diet all 50 pounds at once or all 60 pounds at once. The more patient you can be, the more success you will see, right? And, you know, just remember, like when you lost 20 to 30 pounds in the beginning, even though maybe it wasn't perfect, maybe your habits weren't phenomenal, things of that nature, and still had a lot of success, it was, it was the cheesecake. It was, it was the wine. It was the things that you were over-consuming previous to that that you probably aren't doing now, right? And then what happens in this instance is that a lot of people then, you know, they look at the Stephanies and the Sarah Hoffmans and, you know, a lot of the coaches that, that are great examples to all of you. But then they try to use um, fitness to sort of make up for some of that. And that's like a real bad idea, similar to what I described with the ultra person just now. So I don't think there's a real answer. I think it depends. But, you know, I I think if, uh, you know, you were only 80% compliant and we could get that closer to 95, I think that'll make a big difference.
1: Um, Christina's asking if you can go through a quick and dirty on what each phase is, what exercise is best, and what the expectation for weight fluctuations are. Uh, she's been doing eat to perform for a few months, and I'm just not sure I'm doing this right.
0: Yeah. So um, in terms of fat loss, you know, you want to have some resistance training if you can. It is certainly favorable. Um if you're doing a lot of lists, right? Um, but the problem that you have there is that if you just do lists and you don't do weight training, you won't hold on to some of that muscle. So you want to have kind of a good mix of that, right? And then as you move to so this is actually super simple. Um as you move to AP and PR, you you wanna you wanna do more weightlifting, a little bit less list. I would say kind of keep the lists around eight to 10,000. I would say in fat loss, you can probably get up to 15,000. I think anything more than 15,000, sort of unnecessary. We don't see huge benefits in that regard. Um, you want to have some resistance training or move to more resistance training, less lists. We're trying to build muscle in that instance, right? We're trying to get you to where there's a little bit of a, a surplus. Um, There was someone that mentioned something earlier about maintenance. Um, In the traditional maintenance, the way most of you think of it is, you know, I weigh the same every single day. That does not exist. (laughs) That is not real. And then also any number that you believe is your maintenance. I know there's a lot of programs out there that talk about maintenance. And then what happens is, is that people focus on that maintenance And then they don't get their calories up enough, right? So they're at the lowest for them. And let's say that that number was 1,200 calories. What ends up happening is that, you know, they'll add 200 calories or 300 calories. Well, that's not maintenance. That's just you artificially holding down your weight. We know that we can get your calories to 2,000 to 2,500. In terms of fluctuation, there is this myth that when your calories are higher, you gain weight. We do not see that. What we do see is that when your calories are higher and you go to Las Vegas and you go to vacation to Disneyland or you go on a girl's trip and things of this nature it can get a little tricky and weight can fluctuate and weight in that instance can fluctuate three to five pounds. And it really depends on the person. It really depends on effort. You know, a great example would be Sarah Hoffman, right? Sarah Hoffman eats super flexibly and Sarah Hoffman does work out a fair amount. And it shows that effort does matter, right? But if you're looking at, let's say, you've lost 30 pounds through the process with Eat to Perform, and your weight fluctuates over the course of, let's say, a year, up to 10 pounds, you are still lost 20 pounds, and then you have much more opportunity with metabolism and the amount of food that you've worked on and potentially gained muscle in that process, right? So once again, it depends, but effort does matter, right? And what I don't want for people to do is to then cuddle up to a more restrictive way of doing things. What I'd really like you to do is to reach some goals that we set for you initially. Like I said, find a place mentally where you can be okay with some level of fluctuation. I like to use five pounds. I think that that's a good one. Anything over five pounds, I think we kind of need to be honest with ourselves about that. Like when I gain weight, I kind of know why I gain weight. It's not like a, it's not like a secret. You know, it's like I like pizza. You know, so so I had pizza. And then, you know, my, my daughter came home and she wanted to go to the Italian place that we always go to for special occasions. So I'm not going to say no to my daughter in that instance, but I'm not like sitting here going, man, I just can't figure out after eating those 5,000 calories multiple days, just why my weight's not stable. You know, we all kind of know, right? And then part of one of the reasons why we know is that we over-restrict sometimes, right? And then we over adjust a lot of the times to the girls trip to Vegas, right? And then we solid it up for two weeks. And Carol like, well, we really need to get on the plan. And then you start to get on the plan, your weight fluctuates once or twice. And now all of a sudden, we're in this, this just cycle to nowhere, right? Related to under eating. And so that's what the real problem is, if we think about it, right? And so, so I think the more honest you can be a with yourself about that, right? Because what I think happens with each Perform is that a lot of us have been living this really restrictive life. And now you have Paul, Carolyn, Becky, Tara, all, all your coaches that are on the line here, you know, saying to you, you don't have to live like that. And then, you know, you maybe overdo it a little bit, but rather than just kind of adjusting back to the plan, you overreact, right? And now all of a sudden, I hope this comes off in the way I'm intending it. But like, you almost want to feel like you need to be punished, right? Like, like to cuddle up to like a more rigid way. Because you kind, we all kind of know that that works, right? I mean, like, you know especially if you're doing things more, most of the time, you know, you can always pull things down. The problem is, is that when you do it, you're going to do it wrong and you're going to get the least result and it's going to be really frustrating. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if, 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 if I was one of these like gurus and saying, you know, you can lose 30 pounds in 30 days and things of that nature, we all kind of know that's not true, but we all kind of cuddle up to, to those types of messages. Because, you know, when you go to the, I say I hate this idea. I mean, I really hate the idea that you go and have joy, right? With your friends and family. And then that there's a, there's a price to pay for that. That feels so wrong, and you know it's wrong, right? But but you can't escape that mentality, and that, and you know what, we all struggle with it. Also, it's always something that you're going to deal with, but the, you got to let the the good voices win, right? And I think that's important. How how close are we to being done here?
1: Uh, we have a few in here, a few left. There's there's right. a couple a couple Lightning in round. here that. Okay, a couple in here that are file specific. Chris, um, if you wanna look at Chris, is Becky in there? Um, yeah, and also Be- MJ. Becky, and you... I did look at that. Okay. Yeah. Be- okay.
0: Becky, can maybe you reach out afterwards or something? Yes. Okay. okay.
1: Um, Curtis is saying, I'm good at eating unprocessed whole foods and I can get my macros to hit green except my fats. I have a problem going over in fats because I eat nuts, seeds, avocado, extra virgin olive oil, et cetera, not from desserts or processed foods. How does consistently going over in fat while not going over in calories affect me?
0: Uh, Well, it affects you a lot because you're not doing the plan, right? So if you plan the day before, you'll hit it every single time, right? But like, you know, the plan's a plan for a reason. And so over-consuming fats, there's this, there's this myth in the fat world that, you know, fats are king and there's no problem if you over-consume fats. Well, that's very much not true, especially when you're eating it in a mixed way, right? And so um, it's really important that you hit the plan. I understand that if you're eating what you consider to be clean fats, that that might be in your world, a good thing. Um, I would say that if you're really serious about hitting your goals, try and be consistent with that fat number.
1: Um, Curtis is also asking when you get a bump in macros and calories, how long does it take for your body to normalize? I got a bump and noticed my weight went up. Is that normal? And how long does it take for your body to get used to it and your weight to stabilize?
0: So your weight didn't go up. Your your weight may have fluctuated on one day. Your weight is, the the plan is set up for your weight to fluctuate by the way, right? That's what the medium days are. That's what super days are. So like any one given day where you, it sounds like you're relatively new, right? Because you're, you're not planning kind of the day of and, and and there's numbers of things that you're kind of describing here. Um, but weight doesn't go up like that. Um, it also, from what you're saying, you're assuming that um, there is a number that exists, right? That uh, if you go over that number, it's it, it's going to allow you to gain weight, and if you stay under that number, it's going to allow you to lose weight. You know, there's a lot of complexity to that question, right? As you add food, your metabolism is going to naturally go higher. Is it going to go higher tomorrow? No, but you know, I mean, 20 grams of carbs and three fats aren't, isn't going to make you, that's not reality. Right. And, 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 and you kind of need to just like chill out and allow for a few weeks to happen to sort of feel things going, but use your coach as a resource. Cause I think, I think that's going to help you a lot, but it sounds like you came from, from low carb, kind of restrictive. And so everything you're saying is things we hear all the time.
1: Um, Deb is nearing the end of fat loss one. It took a long time to get dialed in to make the scale move. What causes a person to show change faster or slower? Is it just my own biology?
0: I, I can't know without the file. I can't know without your diet history. I can't, you know, there's so many things. Um, but what I can, what I can tell you is that all the signals are more clear when we have more information. So when you say like early on, it it took you a while to kind of start nailing things, the quicker you can nail things, obviously, the more your coach can use that data to, to to manipulate it, to get the result that you want. Um, I do think age matters in that situation. I've never been a secret person related to, you know, menopause and things of this nature that, you know, all the things that you think are true that 20 years old have a better advantage than 65 year olds, but there's degrees to that, right? What happens is, is that 20 year olds live at Taco Bell, you know, a lot of instances, and then the 65 year olds tend to be over-restricted. And so we have to kind of, you know, meet in the middle there. And then once we can use that data, we can figure out what the long term is. I think there's a lot of times, especially for, you know, we have a largely active group of people, you know, why am I doing all of this? And I think what happens when you're in the, why am I doing all of this mode? You expect to get a result that really doesn't have a lot to do with health, right? Like I said, I'm already late for pickleball. but but that's my activity for today. And, and that's been my activity for the last couple of months. And I don't burn calories. I don't even really focus on that at all. But it's something that I enjoy. And I think if it when you start to do things that you don't like, you know, for a specific result, now all of a sudden we get into sort of this tricky area. But if the majority of the time you're doing things that you love and you're eating, you know, adequate amounts and things of this nature. Now, all of a sudden, putting you're putting yourself in a place mentally that's really super helpful, and then you can make better decisions. One of the things that happens is that many of us are making decisions that are the worst time to make decisions, right? Where we overconsumed for two weeks during the summer, and now we're going to do a restrictive diet. Well, maybe you have a lot of presentations due that week, or maybe you have finals, or or something of this nature that really is not set up well for for that goal. So, like being more proactive rather than reactive is 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 really smart. But you know, to, to give a specific example would be very difficult. But there's a lot of factors um, that you can think of.
1: Um, what are the benefits of taking creatine on e to perform?
0: I mean, there's there's nothing there's nothing negative about creatine at all mean like like, if you hate progress don't take creatine uh and and i hate progress i always forget to take my creatine i say that all the time and i really need to get better about it as a habit but but there's just no reason to not take creatine i know that i know that you know um a lot of people don't like the accompanying bloat that happens with it sometimes and there's certain brands that that are helpful i use a brand called concrete which is sort of known to not have bloat. Um, I use the capsules. Um, there is a, there used to be a woman's version. Um, I'm not sure that they still do that. But, um, you know, one of the podcasts that we did a while back, we we were talking about creatine and we were talking about bloat. and And what the doctor said was, was if you're using creatine, and you're not bloating a little bit, your creatine's not working. And so so this is a hard mentality, right? Like if you don't wanna have some bloat, you're sort of missing out on some opportunity that you could be having with that creatine. So I understand why people don't use it, um, but there's just no reason to not.
1: How important is it to exercise for e to perform to be effective? Um, so
0: I'll answer it differently. If you didn't exercise, it's much easier to lose weight. I think we all kind of know that, right? But it's not fat. You know, you're much more likely to lose fat when you're active. Now, how much exercise? Like I said, I mean, I'm going to go trot around a pickleball court for probably an hour and a half. I don't know what that's going to burn, maybe 250 calories or something of this nature. Focusing on how many calories are burned and things of this nature just kind of sets up that, that less is more mentality. Um, but why are you doing all this, right? I mean, like, are you trying to lose weight or are you trying to be more healthy and, and, and kind of, you know, set up a better health profile, Right. Well, if you're trying to set up a better health profile and, and even if it was just walking, that's going to be better for you, right? But here's where activity becomes way more important. Activity becomes very important if you're trying to keep the weight off, right? So if you don't exercise, what's going to happen is um, even if you overuse lists, what's going to happen is, is you're going to pull all the water out of your body, not necessarily fat. And then you're going to be more prone to rebound, right? So you'll see a lot of people, especially towards the end where, you know, we might even recommend, you know, uh, more lists, less lifting things of this nature. Um, and, and they'll see, you know, kind of a whoosh, you know, five to six pounds, something of this nature, and they get really excited about it. Um, and then exercise comes back and then, you know, weight either normalizes there or maybe goes up a little bit. And then, you know, it, it's really frustrating if you've worked really hard to lose 12 pounds and then all of a sudden you're only down 10, right? But that 10 might represent more fat gone than the 12, right? So you kind of kind of keep that in mind. But I'm never going to stray away from eat to perform. If somebody's going to say to me, you know, I'm not going to exercise, can I still do your program? I would say no, right? I, I believe in my soul that we are meant as human beings to be active, right? And what that means to you personally, just find what you love, right? Start with walking. I did right and i lost 100 pounds in that scenario um but just don't overthink it right i mean people overthink exercise and you see people lifting 400 pounds and all these other things that's not you you're not there yet right i didn't start off thinking that i was going to lift weights but it, it ended up being something i loved you know and and just be open to progressing over time
1: Okay. Last one. What are the average calories cut when you move from PR to fat loss?
0: There is no average because you can literally go as high as you can go. Right. Um, so I, I, w- I want to give you an answer though. Um, I want to say it's like 750 calories, you know, it's a little bit more than 500, which 500 is sort of the standard of losing one pound a week. Um, and then, you know, it adjusts as we go down. Right. Um, but the more we can get that up, the the higher we can, can set things in the deficit. Right. And then instead of having like three tiers down, We might have four tiers down. Now, we'll tell you one little thing, and I know we need to go, but um, the people that get like super, super macros, like the ultra guy, right? One of the things that will frustrate him once we move, and this frustrates Rose, and this frustrates a lot of my, my super calorie, super performance people, is that at the end of the road, their calories sort of look like sedentary people almost right? And that gets really frustrating, you know, if you started off at 5,500 calories, right? And you come down as a male, I believe he was a male, you know, all the way to, say, 1,700, you know? But you got to remember, these phases are short. They're meant to be aggressive to get you the best result that keeps the most muscle, right, in that process. And so, um, but yeah, it, it, it literally um if you're starting from 5500 you know your first level might be 3500 right um if if you're where most people start i think the average calories at the you know at the first cut is probably around 1750 something of that nature um so that that's that but but the coaches are really you know a lot of people focus on on the deficit for that piece. And it's not near as important as you think it is because what we're really looking at is how you're responding to that deficit and whether or not we can hold off. The longer you can get the most success as your calories are higher, the more success you're going to have. So what happens with a lot of you, you wanna get to the lowest as fast as possible. Well, the quicker you get to the lowest as fast as possible, That's when the end of the runway is, right? So if you're trying to lose 15, let Carolyn do her job. Let Tara do her job. Let Becky do her job. Let me do my job. Where we're trying to get you the most success and the most success comes at the highest levels. And if we have to get to to the lowest levels just to get any kind of movement at all, well, we're not going to see kind of these long-term results and then also by the way that gets really frustrating because you know no one wants to eat that low for that long but that takes care of itself folks right i mean it's so abundantly clear when you see what we see each day that once you hit that low number it's not like it, it, it it's not like you know this loads of water are going to come out of your body, right? And then you're going to see an additional five to seven pounds. It's just not how it works. I mean, when you're at that lowest, the most we're looking for is two to three pounds. Some people can milk that to maybe five, right? But, but, you know, it, it hurts, right? And then it's like, does the juice, is the juice worth the squeeze, right? I appreciate everybody being here. This was a A great one you guys had, uh, guys and ladies. I hate doing that, but um, I, uh, I appreciate everybody being here. Great questions. And hopefully we see as many people next month. Talk to you later. Bye now.